Okay, so I'll pick back up what I was just saying. What I yeah, was, yeah. It, we were just talking about uh, the international aspects of powerlifting and meeting lifters from all over the world. And uh, how lucky I am to talk to people all over the world. And I just posted 63 kilo class women who will reign in 2021. And um, we're talking about like Carola Gara and uh, how I had her on the podcast. And uh, yeah, I don't, sometimes you forget almost that the sport is so international. And sometimes you think like some people talk English when they don't. I saw her like when you in the hotel lobby in Sweden at the world championships, we get picked up by a bus every morning to go. And if you miss the bus and me, I would like sleep in sometimes like, you know, that's me. I'm that dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pressure my teeth like, oh my God, uh, make it down to the lobby miss the bus and like I got to like walk there but I'm sprinting there because we go live this is like this oh dude <laughs> I know I know I'm that guy why? It's, why? I know. why Ryan are you doing this to yourself and like the crew was there that sets up with the cameras and stuff and they're like fuck is he gonna make it we're going live typical I show up I come through the door like in. <laughs> like I look like I just woke up and they're like oh here's talent that's what they tell me when they're making fun. Oh, talent, a little late this morning, are we? Like, I'm like okay, all right. I'm a prima donna. All right, guys, all right. <laughs> okay, I deserve this, I'll take it. But um, so in the morning though, it's cool because like at the Worlds, um, and I, I know you've been to like a like Euros, uh, Bench Worlds, Commonwealth, so you've been in some international competitions. Um, yeah. When you wake up in the hotel lobby, one of the coolest things for those two weeks is like everyone from all over the world at any given moment is passing through that hotel lobby in the morning, getting ready to go somewhere, coming in or, or what have you. Mm. And if you just chill like Jezza, you know Jezza, the 120 kilo world champion. Oh, for, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is like a larger life figure. So nice. <laughs> My man posted up in the hotel lobby and chilled there for like, I mean, an afternoon or something. Everyone's like, did you see Jezza? He's wearing like a Gucci Gucci hoodie. and like. Oh my God. It's <laughs> amazing. It. it was so amazing. Um, but one of the people I, I bumped into was Corolla And I seen yeah. her and I was like, oh, that's, there's Corolla Gara. And um, this was before she won the Worlds. And I came up to oh, her. Right, yeah. And I wanted to get like a little bit of info because I'm going to be doing the, the, like the commentary and I just something, whatever to, but when you were going up there, you know, when there's openers, you don't have a whole lot to talk about. So you're going to say bumped into Carla Gar earlier. She's feeling good. She told me whatever, I know something, right? Yeah. 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 So I, I started talking to her and you could tell real quick, she gave, you know, that polite smile. <laughs> and that, just like, what are you talking about? What, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? And yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. Rewind, rewind, back it up. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, you were saying, I was excited, so I'm talking fast. And she's like, I'm no, I, sorry. I, I'm like, all right, <laughs> I probably missed my bus anyway. Yeah, you forget. You completely, it's so easy to completely forget. Like, I've done it before as well. And I've just gone full on, like, oh my God, how are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And they're just like, yeah, don't too speak much. English. <laughs> I'm like, oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Or, or too much energy. Uh, I come in with yeah, too, much too much, too much. And you're just full on. And they're just like, I haven't even woke up yet. <laughs> yeah, take it easy. Yeah. Take it easy. I, I like how you're, you're happy to see me. Also, another person um, at that World Championships, going back to the 63 kilo post I made, um, Penna from France, who's coaching a lot of the French women, like uh, he coaches Naomi Albert, who's 52 kilo European champion uh, from France, and Leah Bavois. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
and um, he coaches like he like he's he's one of the people there. And I remember being in the halls too. And leading up to that World Championships, I hadn't done a heck of a lot with like I probably undersold the European contingent and what they were bringing to the table. And like I admit that now. And I remember him stopping me in the hallway and be like, "Hey, man." He's like, "How you doing?" Whatever, like you know. And then he's like, "Listen, listen, listen." Okay, three listens here. So I knew. <laughs> Like, okay, something's gonna happen. <laughs> Dude, this is serious. This is serious. Listen, listen. He's like, you're gonna want to pay attention to some of these French women. I'm like, okay. I'm thinking, you're oh. your French, you're, you're a French coach. You're selling, but he's like, trust me. Okay, there's gonna, you're gonna be talking after. He knows something you don't know. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. I'm like, all right, sure. I get this all the time, right? All right, you're confident. Holy smokers, the French women came out swinging. And now- Honestly, crazy. It's absolutely yeah. mental. Yeah, like yeah. I, honestly, I, I don't follow too, like I haven't been too involved with other people's lifts and everything on Instagram, but only recently I have been. And some of the French women, oh my God, it's crazy. Some of even the like, like juniors and sub juniors yeah. are pulling crazy weights, like crazy. Yeah. It's, it's mental. Do you like, do you like, um, following other lifters or does it make you like would you want to follow people in your own weight class or are you like man I don't want it to get in my head or anything either oh uh, this is interesting you know so I used to follow like most people in my weight class because obviously I'm super competitive like any lifter is but then it came to lockdown one in England and I wasn't on social media hardly at all and but I was still training like I was in a private facility and wasn't allowed to share lifts etc so I was like okay no point really being on Instagram and I found that my lifts got so much better when I just paid attention to my own training mm. and wasn't constantly comparing because it's so easy just to compare lifts to other lifters in your weight category especially if, you, if you're competitive um, and I was just like actually you know maybe I need to reel it back and I still follow a lot of lifters because a lot of them are my mates like they are just friends now um but I am careful on who whose content I look at especially in the run-up to competitions right so yeah it, it's an interesting one because I obviously like the people I've got nothing against them but yeah. sometimes I do find it affects my training if I focus too much it just takes that focus away from my own training and it's it's like an extra like stimulation that could be a stressor like I understand it could go either way it could be yeah uh, a motivator but it can also be a stressor that's like yeah you know we're, we're it, it, social media period is just people's life highlights that's not necessarily real right like well, you this do, is oh, it right like, completely In you general. can post something from like six months ago and say yeah. that you did it like a week ago like it's not it's not even in this current like present time either sometimes so you have to be yeah take everything with a pinch of salt and I mean yeah as you said some things can be really motivational like oh okay she's hit this I, I really need to get a few more kilos or whatever but then I think it depends what mood I'm in to be honest because sometimes I am really motivated by it and other times I'm just it can take away from my own training so kind of yeah. be careful with it I mean, I had on, um, I haven't dropped the podcast yet, but Anna Horo from Hungary is a 83 kilo lifter in the men's and he's got like a, a 350 kilo deadlift. That's like ridiculous. Right. And he said when he first started and he got onto Instagram, started following people, he had a competition coming up and he was following a guy that he was going to be competing against. And if he saw the guy do like whatever for a five by five on squat, if he had squats that night, he had to match that. 
really that's what so I... he's just like so he just like go off program and just yeah. do the program <laughs> match someone else's program but i was like my brother you um if this dude finds that out he can post all types of crazy shit and like i'm really gonna Honestly. get he's now writing your program for you He's now imagine writing. Imagine if we your... all did that. Imagine if we all did that. Just constantly in competition with everyone that we watched. Like... It was it was adorable. I was like, my friend, you're letting your competition write your program for you. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, he's like, I, I stopped doing that. He's like, I can't, I can't do this. Oh, like, man, there are oh. variables. Just in life, imagine. period. Like when people post, like, never happier or whatever. Like it's good, but sometimes it's not what their real life is either. Just like in a bigger sense no. of how social media can be deceiving, let alone if you yeah. fixate on something like a number on a bar. This is it. You have to let go of that fixating on the numbers. And for me, it's always going back to, I, I know it said a lot, but going back to why I did this and like, because I enjoy it. Like I enjoy the sport. I love training and it's helped me mentally and everything and so especially when it's it's easy to go off course but always just make sure that you bring yourself back into your own lane mm-hmm. i think is really important who are some of the people that you do follow and who are some of the people that you're like maybe i shouldn't follow this person for my own and, and i know you mean what you mean for my own like sanity or however you want to word it because i've had people come to me being like they're in a weight class and someone else in that weight class doesn't follow them and they're and they're like mm-hmm. oh I didn't know we had an issue. They're not following me anymore. And I'm like, (laughs) there's no issue. That's not an insult. You probably just made it. You, you know, right. You know, who's super nice to you. Someone who doesn't see you as a threat, right? Consider it a compliment. If they're like, I can't, I can't see this person, what they're doing anymore. It's going to pull me off course. You know, it's not necessarily like a, an actual, I don't like this person anymore. It might actually be, holy shit, this person's on my tail you know what, it's starting to mess me up watching the numbers. So I don't, t- I don't think it's an insult. So when I ask you, no. is, there people, is there people that you don't want to follow? This isn't a, a lead up like this means you don't like them. The, I mean, this, <laughs> you know, I just want to preface that with that. But who, I don't who, think like, there's no one that I can think of that I just don't follow like intentionally. I have become way more ruthless with my Instagram and who I follow recently, definitely like, especially like little comments and things like that I just don't Mm. even engage in them anymore like I'm sure you get it on your post like the amount of bitchy comments or whatever I can't even imagine like my like even my Instagram compared to yours is a lot smaller but even I get those shitty comments and I just block straight away because I just can't don't even want to engage in it but in terms of people like I can't think of anyone off the top of my head like it's more so I follow people who I've either met in person or I find that they have really inspirational content or I can relate to them in some way something that yeah I just enjoy their content more than anything Mm -hmm. and I mean most of my feed is just fill up of lifting food and whatever to be honest so so pretty pretty like same same stuff yeah it's the best parts of life right there lifting eating whatever (laughs) exactly (laughs) you you hit it on all on all cylinders there what's a of the people like because you started powerlifting in 2018 right was there people in particular that when you first entered you looked up to and started following as inspiration this is a weird one because I had no idea what powerlifting was when I first started (laughs) it was something that I just kind of got into like a bit 
Wait, I don't know if I should just start and just start telling my Let's, story. You know what? <laughs> you know what? Let's just jump I into think, it. I think we're there. I think we're Are there. We Let's... Are we ready? <laughs> we are ready. Let's do it. Okay. So yeah, my my journey into powerlifting was a bit of an odd one. Um, so I actually developed. So I suffered with anorexia and bulimia noversa for about six years. So when I was age sixteen, um, I started. I had orthorexia, which is basically where you kind of cut out certain food groups. And this was due to like so many things going on in my life and previous um, experiences like trauma. Um, but basically, my dad got stabbed by a burglar eight times. Mm. And I had to become, yeah, when I was, uh, I was about 13 when this happened. Um, he died and got resuscitated but then obviously that caused a lot of complications he lost the use of his right arm so I basically had to become his carer because the care that was offered just wasn't enough for him um so I was caring for him right from when I was like 13 up to 16 and when I was at that age I was doing my A-levels early as well and I had about three jobs so I just had so much going on um and I was always quite athletic like always built very athletic I always played football I played basketball literally like any sport under the sun I would play because I just loved it um but then it it just got into like a really dark time for me and I just everything that was going on I kind of just pointed it inwards if that makes mm. sense <laughs> and just started just destroying myself like I just stopped eating like I had this the thing with eating disorders that I feel like it's really misunderstood in that people kind of think it's a lifestyle choice when it's a mental illness mm. and it just became so destructive my mind was just telling me that I wasn't worth like I wasn't worth the food that I was eating I wasn't even deserving of it and it got to the point where I mean I'm I'm five at seven and I was weighing 42 kilograms like I got so underweight I was hospitalized. I was being fed through tubes. It was the worst time of my life. Like you just, you just felt wor like worthless. You just completely felt worthless. Um, and so I had anorexia for about two years. And then I went into this kind of phase where it was a cross between anorexia and bulimia, which is called EDNOS, so eating disorder not otherwise specified. And so this is where I was going to stage where so I kind of pushed away all my family and friends at this point. I just wanted to be really isolated. I hated myself. I just just lost focus in everything. I was too weak to play football anymore. So I had to quit all my sports, which was so heartbreaking when I put my everything into sports since I was really young. Um, and I developed bulimia from this idea of okay I can still show my family and friends that I'm okay by like eating with them at dinner or whatever mm. but then I can throw it back up afterwards um but this just got into the an awful cycle of just eating and then purging and it got so bad that I was throwing up 14 times a day I split oh. my throat open I was my mum would find me just lying in my own vomit like it was Holy awful smokes, yeah. to the point that I was just so exhausted and because I had insomnia as well I was it was almost like I'd do it till I was so exhausted that I had to just pass out um and when when we say binge eating like so we do this like you go through this cycle of binging uh purging and then you're feeling hungry again but then you 
have all these horrible thoughts and it's almost like the purge the binging stage is how I describe it like you're being possessed by something and you're not even there you're not even completely there then something just snaps and you're just like what the hell have I done I I feel disgusting in myself I need to bring it up like I want to feel empty again um and when I say binging it's not just eating a few packets of crisps I'm talking family-sized meals and it's not nice eating to the point where you're in absolute agony where your stomach feels like it's going to split like that is the stage that you get to and I just go to crazy extents to just get the food out of me as well like I mean I don't want to go too much into it because it's a bit gross but I mean I'd even you can yeah So I'd, I'd even like abuse laxatives, like mm-hmm. completely fucking up my stomach and digestive system. And I mean, I'd kind of snap pencils in half. I remember just to the point where they could just slightly, you could still, they're still kind of holding on and just shove it down my throat. And then one time it actually got caught in the back of my throat. Oh, like man. as I was throwing up, it, I can't even describe how awful it was. And at this point I was actually at university when the worst of the bulimia was happening. So I was trying to get through my degree as well as trying to get through this eating disorder. Um, I just got to the point where I just couldn't go on anymore. And I mean, I did get to a really dark place. And when your face is swollen up, you can't even go outside. Your throat is just so mangled that you can't even speak properly. I was just like, what kind of life is this for me? Like, um, and I did overdose one time and woke up in hospital with my mum next to me and I was just like I need to do something like I need to change I can't live my life like this um and from that moment that was when I started to get help and so yeah I managed to get funding for the Royal Maudsley which is like a the head of eating disorders in um Great Britain and so I was really grateful to get funding for that and became a, a patient there um, still whilst trying to get through my studies as well because I like to take on everything um, <laughs> and so yeah I was I managed I was at the hospital for about two years and when I came out of therapy I was at a healthier weight but still trying to deal with things I mean you still get relapses even through recovery it's part of the recovery um, and but I'd abused cardio for so long um, just to get to this like thin like as thin as I could be almost like I'm empty so I'm like invisible to everyone kind of thing um and so I thought I I can't go back to doing running and all that kind of stuff so um I found I went into the gym and I was like I have no idea what I'm doing (laughs) but just went in there I my older brother did me a program because he's all into the gym and everything so um went to the gym started lifting some weights like oh my god I just love it it was just something that I could just zone in on and just all my release and all this and like kind of not even anger just stress and everything that was going on in my head I could just let it all out in the gym and yeah as I kept going as I started doing more in the gym my eating got a little bit better because I was wanting to fuel my workouts um and then I just found powerlifting like someone mentioned it to me and I was like what the hell was that (laughs) and found a powerlifting club quite near me started it within four weeks I did my first competition and my first competition I qualified for nationals and then within the first year of lifting I got selected for Great Britain in the bench press so it was a bit mental it's, <laughs> it was it's, kind of just happened <laughs> well it's it's um 
so so going back to yeah like first off i i think a lot of people don't fully understand um anorexia like i i don't like i'm, I'm by no means an expert but i had it first off it afflicts women far more often like 10 times more often um so it's it's heavily more on on that side millions of people across the world uh suffer from it and on top of that i think they have there's a mortality rate of around you know i did some preliminary research i'm no expert but around five percent that's what the anorexia on top of that the suicide and whatnot uh, associated with it were you know it, the, it could be higher that's pandemic numbers when millions of people across the world with a mortality rate like that, just on surface 5% off the anorexia side, then on top of that, the suicides, et cetera, it's a serious issue. And it is- Yeah, and that's that's only the people who are going to get help or like admitting it. Right, There's right. so many people out there who don't even, like can't even come to terms that they've actually got an illness, like a mental illness. And the amount of men who also don't even try to reach out to get help because they feel like it is a, a female e illness when it really isn't it affects everyone yes. yeah it's it's good well, well that's true that you said that like yes it, it affects uh like the stats would say it affects more women but that doesn't say it doesn't affect men to be like if you so if you are a man suffering from anorexia you almost like like you're like oh i i shouldn't say anything like people will look at me differently like uh a friend mm. of mine who's a YouTuber, like a famous YouTuber now, um, Furious Pete, he, he's, mm. he actually developed anorexia at, at a young age, apparently. So he was saying his dad was suffering. It's, there's actually some parallels to a little bit from your story. His dad was suffering from MS. He saw his dad's body shutting down. And a lot mm. of things were happening in his life and he didn't have control over it. And he was in his teens. Yeah. And he'd lost control over, well, didn't lose control. He never had control, but things were spiraling. And something he could control was his food intake. He's, and his he's white, yeah, yeah. And it becomes, it becomes, for him, it became a control aspect where like, I can control this. And it's weird. You'd be like, why would you control it in a negative way? That's where the mental illness comes in, but you do control it though. And it becomes mm -hmm. like a, when everything else is out of control and you're like, you start doing weird things and you don't have control, but you, you think you do. And you're like, I'm just going to restrict, I can restrict this and I'm getting lower on body mm. weight. And he's like, it became a weird obsession of mine. And he's like, yeah. I, I don't, I can't tell you why I would want to be smaller, but he's like, I just was. And I was like, I can control my eating though. It's like, yeah, but you're doing it for the negative. He's like, yeah, but that's not where my mind frame was. I, I can't yeah. explain to you why. And, uh, and it, he was it, yeah, it's, it's, it is definitely a control thing. I feel like people with eating disorders or even like people who have are like addicts or whatever, it's how you have this extreme personality where you just go to extremes on anything, be it positive or negative. I've definitely found that like I've always gone to the extremes in anything that I do, like with that kind of addictive personality. Um, yeah. But yeah, even when, even if it's a negative, you kind of just go to extreme, like almost like you have to be the best at it in a weird yeah. way if that makes sense and I remember actually I was in like a group therapy session once and someone was saying how they wanted to be the best anorexia which is just weird like to hear but I kind of get it in that they wanted just to be as thin as possible um and that we do kind of well people who do suffer with it kind of see everyone in black and white like you're either big or not and it, it is just kind of like you need that rewiring of your brain to get through it as well as constant therapy and 
yeah it's mm-hmm. it's mad like the more you look into it the more interesting it is as well yeah well i mean the human brain is so it's like it's like a beautiful thing but it's a complicated thing too like it's capable of when pushed to the limit freaking their stories of what people have done and like uh, a mother lifting a car off her son when she like you know thought she needed to the adrenaline hits the body and you do something that you never should be able to do but on the flip side so the same way where you're like when you needed to save your son's life and you lifted a car off your your son and every vertebrae and spine crush everything and doctors like you physically should not have been possible to achieve that that it should have been out of the realm to be able to lift that car off of your son your son rolls out and lived and that happened that was actually on cover of time magazine the u.s olympic weightlifting coach had that on the cover of of time magazine up on his wall and whenever lifters came in his office and they were like expecting like um, lifters on magazines on his wall. And they saw that they're like, of all the poster covers or, or magazine covers, you have that. Why? And he's like, it's to prove a point that the human mind is complicated and beautiful. And you don't yeah. know what it's capable, what it's capable of will stagger you. And um, if it's capable of I that, love that. I love that yeah, so much. It, I, I love it too. Good, good concept. I know. I like I that's, that's just shows you how how powerful the mind is. Like when people say what you whatever you put your mind to, and it's so true. If you really focus in on something, if you really want something so much, be it positive or negative, right. like it can happen. And it's just it's it's mad. Yeah. It's it's it, if you go to the extreme, so that would be the extreme in one direction. And he's like, mm. that's why I posted up there. So when I call upon you when we're in Russia or wherever the world championships are and I'm loading the bar for the win and I look in your eyes and I say yes you can do this when you had that conversation with me in my office you're fucking gonna buy into that aren't you don't tell me you can't but this is way over my PR and it's like not today Sophia Sophia today it's not over your PR we're lifting that car off your son today let's go and all of a sudden you're like let's go like I need you in that mental frame do it Right, right. We're going at the same time, though. And this is this is life. If on one direction that's capable due to the mind. Yes, there is a yin and a yang where you you might go down the wrong rabbit hole. And all of a sudden you're like, how far can I go with in terms of anorexia? How far can I go without eating? How little can I eat and survive? How small can I get And the mind will and you will achieve things it it came like I understand when you say like I want to be the best at anorexia but if you were going down that rabbit hole of how small can I get I want to get as small as possible I want to get as small as possible how small can I get you can get like and still survive or you start going like it's it's phenomenal how far you can go it yeah, is it's crazy yet, unfortunately but even when like like even sometimes I wouldn't even believe that anything was wrong with me sometimes like I'd look in the mirror and I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm fat or whatever. And I'd constantly see myself as big and like overweight when actually I was really underweight, like severely underweight. It's just how your mind completely deceives you as well. Sometimes I got into this just fixated on like just that feeling of being so worthless that I want it kind of like reflected in like physically as well. It was just, it was just a way of kind of tormenting myself somehow or mm it's such a weird kind of concept when the more I look into it but from when from going through therapy and everything it's a lot has stemmed from like previous trauma as a kid and it's and where I've shut it all down and not even never even opened up about it 
and then it's starting to come out and I'm kind of using it against myself like oh I should have done something or etc etc and just wanted to feel completely nothing (laughs) it's it's um it's and this is where social media is good like I've seen for instance uh Maddie Forsberg who's a lifter in the U.S. I think she's a 57 kilo lifter um she was a junior in Sweden. I don't know if she's still a junior, but she talked about openly having PTSD. Um, so it was, it's PTSD and people don't necessarily understand what PTSD is. So someone had commented to her. She was like, listen, I, she suffered with um, either anorexia or bulimia, possibly both, and, and like suicidal thoughts, depressions, et cetera. Got into powerlifting, changed her life around and now has like over 300,000 followers. And she's like an advocate and uh, speaks on her issues pretty openly, which is like, yeah. people don't understand, like for a lot of people, like again, millions of people around the world that are suffering with this, it, it means something, right? And yeah. um, she talks about the how um, I, she thinks it began, like sometimes even today, she'll wake up with like dreams from the PTSD dreams. And she she was saying how, like, so someone commented, messaged her and some, some douchebags like, PTSD, what were you in a fucking war or something? And it's oh like, my God. Yeah. And it's like, my man, PTSD, she took screenshots. So I'm not giving any privilege for private information. She she shared it herself. But um, mm-hmm. it's like, dude, PTSD is post-traumatic stress. So an event happened and you afterwards post this traumatic event, a traumatic event, post mm-hmm. that you have these stressors in your life now that you're still dealing with and you may always be dealing with. That's what PTSD is. Nothing. There's no M in there for military. There's no double. No. You don't need to be military. You. It might be more common to us to hear that story, but that doesn't mean that's not what PTSD means. Some people are like, "No, you're misusing PTSD." No, you just don't know what you're talking about. And before, yeah. before you go to this girl and say like a comment like that, um, and then she replies back like, "I was sexually assaulted as a kid." Thanks. Yeah kind of fucking tough on me. I'm dealing, yeah. I'll be dealing with that for a while. Thank you though, for questioning whether or not I have the right to be stressed about that. It's like, dude. Honestly, yeah. I had <laughs> dude. It's, this is why we share about it. It's not easy to share about these things for anyone, but like, this is why we share to make, like raise awareness about it. Like, I remember the first time I was in the newspaper about this and I also shared about like, because I was also sexually abused when I was eight years old and that was the toughest thing for me to even share with anyone because I felt kind of like weirdly ashamed about it as well Mm -hmm. because I'd never really properly spoken to anyone about it and the comments I was getting on this like newspaper article I was just wow some people just have no empathy (laughs) or just can't even relate in any way um and they're like oh look she's got she's too muscly now or whatever I'm like I'm at such a healthier place now than I was back then. Like, fucking hell, man. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's, it's, uh, yeah, that's weird. It, it's, and especially how do you read that story and make a comment like that, though? Like, people yeah. don't have just, a filter. How? Yeah, they don't. This is it. And some people would just say things. I don't know if they do it for clout or what they're doing. Like, they just don't even think about what they're saying or who it could be, dam- like, hurting. Right. Because even though we're sharing these things, doesn't mean that we don't like we switch off our feelings or anything like right. that. What we read can still hurt us, and that's why I said about previously being so ruthless about um, 
who I follow and etc. It's it's uh in I feel like you know it's difficult like as a man it's difficult to talk about your feelings often and um I feel like I think mo the more I see like not to say women don't troll as well and just to like be too heavy on against men but most of what I what I see anyways is men trolling and it's like and most of what I see and I don't want to overly generalize but I feel like men don't share their feelings nearly as much um, and, and if you look at like suicide rates, I think it's like three to four times more likely a man to, to commit suicide. A lot of that, how often are they able to like share their feelings and do they feel weaker if they do? Or again, when we talk yeah. about male, female traits that we tell ourselves as a male and female trait, if you talk about your feelings, you're, and you're a man, you're soft, you're weak or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's a situation where some of these people somewhere deep down inside, you know what they say, the saying hurt people, hurt people where mm -hmm. some of these guys or whatever, I don't know what's going on on their end, but when someone's strong enough to come in front, like Matty Forsberg yourself, look at Matty Forsberg has got a big following. You have like 16,000 people following and, and on top of that, because you are a prominent power lifter, you know, like uh, you're going to be reposted and people are going to talk. So you're, you're reached greater than even 16,000. You put 16,000 people in a stadium, it's packed. So, yeah. you, right? So I just know what to blow you away. When you put it like that, when you put it like that, you're like, damn. Yeah, you're like, holy shit. But um, uh, so, so when you come forward and you're like, this is going to be difficult for me to talk about, but I'm going to say it. Holy shit, man. Like you're, you're stronger than I am in terms of that. And um, so when a guy comes forward, I, you don't like, I'm like, what is this dude's story? Are you, dude, are you dealing with some shit? And this mm. woman is showing far greater inner strength than you and be able to deal like, you know, cause I honestly, I got way smaller shit that I'm like, I'm not, I'm going to pretend everything's cool. <laughs> you know, I'm going to, I'm going to post a funny <laughs> meme and keep it moving. And just such a man like, thing. Right. Such a I know. Thing. I know. <laughs> And, um, like uh, yeah my brothers are so the same as well i'm like is anything anything up or whatever and send a meme i'm like right okay <laughs> right <laughs> or or what i do like once or twice i've had a buddy uh like check in on me this is like before social media type situation and um he would shoot me a message and i shot him back if something's going on and i shot him back what it was like what's going on yeah. and it was some bad stuff and then afterwards i put lol and he shot me back, right? Just like, this is a defusing thing. This is what yeah. guys do to defuse, to bring it down. Yeah, this happened, LOL. And he was- and Make it, was it like, a joke, yeah. It was something bad though. And he's like, oh man. And this, my one buddy, he has a crazy story. He was 29 years old and he was diagnosed with sta uh, stage four inoperable stomach cancer and was given less than 1% chance of living. And yeah. um, his parents were like in the hospital side with him and uh, the doctor's like, and he's in his twenties and the doctor's like, listen, um, they're like, what can we do? Can we go to the US? We have some money saved up. You know, can we get some treatment in the US? And the doctors are like, listen, listen, listen. We have to get beyond this miracle thing and start thinking about making him as comfortable as possible for when he goes. And for a mother and father to hear that when your son's in his twenties, you're like, I don't want to hear it. I can't it. even imagine. Yeah. Like, I can't even imagine. I'm not letting yeah. go. And, um, and he, so 
I'll, I'll tell you his story and then I'll tell you this is the guy that I that I had this conversation with via text. So yeah. he goes to the US and he's across the street from one of these big medical centers. And he said, at one point he was under so much chemo treatment because um, they were just trying to, I guess like his life, they were saying you, you have less than 1% chance. Like it's, it's not going to happen. His hands were burned. So his, every limb, hands, feet were so badly burned. He couldn't get out of bed. He couldn't grab things when he's in bed. And he's like, my friend, every limb was so badly like burned physically the skin. And he's like totally demoralizing, even like his fucking genitals, because that's like, this is what we're talking when it's, and you're, you know, he's, he was, when he's telling me this, he's past the point of pride. This is something you wouldn't tell your buddy because it's like mm. embarrassing. He was like, so beyond that, he's on death's door and he's like- Yeah, you, you just don't even care. You just don't even care, yeah. It's not like, oh, I got to maintain dignity or he's like, whatever. So he said, um, the chemo was like so harsh. He's across the way from this treatment and uh, center and they're about to go in. And he looks to his parents and he said, I'm not going. His parents are like, we, they're, they're going to dump their life savings. Yeah. They're going to get everything. It's their son. They're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll fucking live in a hotel. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But it, like, it's going to be very expensive. Yeah. yeah. His parents is like, not going. We're not going in. And he, they're like, what are you saying though? Don't say that you're accepting death. And he's like, I'm not accepting death, but I'm not we're not doing this anymore. And they were like a huge, and it's raining outside. He'll never forget this. And uh, it was one of those moments and they, they're like, I don't know what you're saying, but he's like, just trust me. And there's nothing you're going to say to get me across there. So they all went home and he started looking into, you know, all, just different ways of, of dealing with this. A 1% chance of living. My man completely turned it around and he's alive no today. This was this is 12 years ago. He's alive today, now in his 40s, cancer-free. And amazing. Um, it, like, I, I don't want to go, we'll go too far off. I'll just tell you when he went back to the same doctors that told his parents you need to let him go. Um, the doctors he went in for his screening, and the doctors came in and said, We, we want to run some more tests. And their yeah. demeanor completely changed. And he's like, What's going on? And they're like, I just want to run a few more. And they ran more tests and he's like, something's fucking whatever. And they came back again. And the doctor's like, I don't see any cancer in your body. And then, and then, right? <laughs> then he's like, the fuck? Oh, and then the doctor's like, more than that, you had a massive tumor in your esophagus. I don't even see scar tissue to indicate you ever had it anymore. And I know you had it. Oh, that's giving me chills, you know. It, you know, when you're was, just like, oh. It was the wildest. They did documentaries on this guy. His name's Mark Odger. Uh, what, like, there's documentaries and newspaper articles. They call him the miracle man because he, he was, it was literally a miracle. And um, yeah. so he had, uh, he does like seminars the whole night now. And so his whole perspective on life completely changed on a dime right there. Yeah. Yeah. beforehand he was a party animal he was not you don't talk to him about like feelings or whatever the shit afterwards he became yeah. my dude for that so when i shot him a message about some shit he knew you're reaching out to me of all the people you like you can't you know what yeah. I've been, you know where i'm at and when you put the lol on there he shot me back and he's like you don't got to put an lol at the end of your text message if you got something to tell me 
There's nothing funny about what you just said. There's nothing funny about that. Mm. You don't you don't need to bring it down with an LOL. Let's talk. Mm. And it was like that's a real emotional maturity. That's like yeah. Whew, yeah. I'm glad I got you in my life, Playboy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's so true. Like we yeah. it's we mix emotions to try and take away from what we've just said I often yeah. do it when I talk about something that's really sad and I'm laughing it's like it's kind of fucked and yeah. it's like but we do it because we try and take away from the kind of re real sadness in it right. and what you're actually feeling well, when so that you is feel, some crazy story <laughs> when you when you feel awkward that's what you kind of do like I've had I've been in situations yeah. where people found out some crazy bad news they smile laugh a little and someone afterwards like, can you fucking believe you was smiling? And I'm like, that wasn't, no, you don't hold that against him or her. No. In that situation, you react the way you react and it's almost survival mode or denial mode or you don't hold that against that person. Yeah, no, definitely, not, definitely <laughs> you, not. You know, like when you live through, like I don't gotta tell you, but when you go through life, the more you go through life, the more you go through some shit and you realize mm. like, you don't know how you'd react in certain situations. Initially, you're not yourself. You're like overwhelmed. And you just, you know, you, you, you take a minute to process things. Well, but, yeah, like some things you can never even prepare yourself for either. Like right. definitely what you just said there, like the more you go through life, the more, yeah, more shit happens. But I also feel like you're, you are able to deal with things better, but also some things just happen and you're just like, didn't fucking expect that. <laughs> and you don't like, you don't like. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> that like you shit bomb just came right down yeah. hit me right in the face well, that's, yeah no that's the truth look at life isn't like um uh, i'm gonna meet my soulmate we're gonna get married have kids me and my soulmate will die on the same day so neither one of us are gonna more burying their soulmate our kids are gonna outlive us so neither one of us are gonna go through that our parents they're gonna die lovingly in their in their sleep and and it'll be 150 and they'll see their grandkids that would be the perfect that almost never happens right it's like listen life is yeah i've know. learned that early <laughs> right Definitely. so so it's like be and not to get like too dark on it but at the same time bringing it back in terms of social media and shit when you want to be that dude pull back or that girl i don't want to again just totally pick on uh guys but when you want to be that person man just think about like you don't know everything that's going on right now. So if someone says, I, I dealt with some shit. If someone says I had an eating disorder, nine times out of 10, it's not just like, I just wanted to get skinnier. Usually there's some yeah. shit going on. Usually something yeah. happened. Something happened. So if you're going to say something, take into account, like there's probably, you might not know the whole story. There's probably a lot more to it. So just fucking mm. lay back, buddy. <laughs> right? Yeah. And like, yeah, exactly. Like, and they might even still be recovering. Do you know what I mean? Like, 100%. It's so it's, it's your, with something like that, it's your default in some ways when you get stressed or some, something happens, it can be a default to go to. It's almost like a comfort a comfort zone which is also in a way killing you but it's a comfort zone to go yeah. back into that that destructive cycle but yeah so people just don't even know like what's currently going on do you know what I mean like even last year for me like, I'll open up a little bit more and like last year was probably my best year of lifting I mean it was my last year as a junior and I just wanted to fucking smash it so I did about I ended up doing about 10 or 11 comps bench and full power um but halfway through the year my dad passed away with cancer um Ooh. and I had to go do some comps like and my dad had literally just passed I had to go do Europeans probably one of my hardest 
mentally hardest comps to do it was only a bench only which so physically it's not not that draining do you know what I mean they're pretty fun normally um but behind the scenes like before I even went on the platform I was trying to hold it just together just to stop mm. thinking about like I've just fucking lost my dad do you know what I mean mm. um and people never really know what's going on behind the scenes and this is the thing like you can always show that second face I always think there's like an, another face that we showed some people especially on social media it's that other face that we're not telling everyone everything I, I mean it's fair not to tell everyone everything. You don't want always your personal stuff always out there. But some things are shared and you've got to be quite delicate with what you're saying and in response to it. Because um, it can be quite sensitive sometimes. Do you, did you feel like, because um, there's been issues or issues, there's been events in the past in sports period. Like I'm a big MMA and boxing guy and like Mike Tyson, excuse me, he, he was like a, like in his prime, the guy. And when he finally mm. lost, he was fighting a guy who was a 42 to one underdog, which is the biggest underdog in sports history, any sport all time. It's ridiculous. Uh, 42 to one. Yeah. It was Buster Douglas, 1990. And Buster, like nobody gave Buster Douglas a chance. And like three weeks before um, it happened, like the fight took place, Buster Douglas's mom died, finally died of cancer. And it was, mm. it was a, a tough going. And Buster Douglas, like to this day, Buster Douglas is like 60 years old now. When he does interviews and is asked about it, um, he'll, he'll tear up. Like, it's not something you just, well, I'm, I'm over it now. No, you carry that with you. But mm. he said it can work either which way. And for him, and he's about to face Mike Tyson, which is scary. And it's not just, if you lose, you can get literally knocked unconscious, seriously hurt. And some concussions are life-changing, right? Like we, we know. Yeah, yeah totally. It, it's scary stuff, right? So... Mm. He said for him, they were like, so how did that affect you with training knowing you're gonna about to go into Mike Tyson? He's like, almost the training, and this might not just been for your dad's passing going into that competition, but maybe in general with training, dealing with everything else you dealt previously, mm. it gave me a purpose. It gave me structure. It gave me, mm. I got it. If I could just be like, I got to get up and do this. At least I got to do this. I, I got like, yeah. so I'll just go through the mode. Even if I'm a zombie doing it and I'm not fully, at least I'm, I'm out there doing it though as opposed to being at home and God knows what's going through my mind. So he's like, they give me something that I have to do and purpose mm -hmm. in life is a fucking, purpose is a big thing. Like sometimes oh, yeah. if you took that from somebody, if I, if you're going through some shit and then I took away your purpose, now you're like, <laughs> yeah, here, right? Like literally, what did I can you relate find? to that so yeah. much. Like without powerlifting, I just don't even know how I would have even got through last year. I think, that's probably why I did so many comps just to take away from the fact that I had all this shit going on. Like I was, try I was basically grieving for someone who was still alive. Do you know what I mean? I think that's just the yeah. worst thing when you know it's going to happen. You see them just degenerate and their body is dying and someone that you love is just passing, but so slowly. It's mm -hmm. like the, the thing that I had that I could really kind of like rely on and put my everything into was powerlifting and just going into the gym having that yeah having that structure and just getting it done be it yeah I didn't have the best sessions all the time like some sessions I have to walk out halfway have have a cry get it out and then go back and back to it sometimes sessions would be four hours long do you know what I mean mm. but I got it done because I wanted to and it gave me that focus and something to put my energy into and also in some ways I, I was doing it for my dad as well to so just to like you know make him proud and 
even though he didn't totally get it <laughs> but yeah. it was it was something I could put everything into and yeah even if I did go to extreme on it it was something that I had there that was my way of releasing whatever I had inside going on <laughs> it's it's almost here's what's why sports is like a beautiful thing like some people talk about how you know sports are like it's not like art and it's not like uh, life-changing. Let's not, let's not blow this out of proportion when they talk about sports. Here's where I digress. I th- sports can be like art. Sports mm. can be like, like when I, you tell your story, that is you expressing yourself and showing in your darkest moment. Like when someone paints a painting and is like, look at this masterpiece. Like I was so hurt inside and I wrote that song and people hear that mm. song. When I tell you the story about like the James Buster Douglas story and it's, you know, I didn't do it justice with that two seconds I gave it to you, but overcoming those odds, going out there, painting a masterpiece against a conceivably unbeatable person and you just lost somebody, you're hurting so much, but you fucking answer the bell round after round. And in the eighth round, Mike Tyson dropped them to the canvas and everybody's counting, being like, well, there it is. We were waiting for the shoe to drop and he picks himself off the canvas, pounds the canvas like that's not how the story ends and keeps fighting that's fucking beautiful and you can't yeah, tell me that there that isn't is. a, you, you know and and then beats the unbeatable mike tyson and the, overcoming the odds that is fine art that is like yeah. listen you can paint a painting and nothing's going to happen to you like no one's imposing their will on you to stop you this when you're in sport you're facing physical options mental the whole nine I think sports is like you can draw from it just like a song when I hear the story when I read a good book about like some of these athletes or I hear these stories it'll like I get inspired by art but I get just as inspired by some of these stories so when people try to dumb it down it's like ah then you're just not looking deep enough or you just haven't tapped into that human element where I think sports just accentuates what it is right where it's like yeah, that's why. I, honestly man like as because when I was saying about my degree, it was in fine art. So as an artist myself, like oh, there I you think go. what you just what you what you just said is beautiful and that should be a fucking quote. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, lo- I love it. I love it. I think a hundred percent, a hundred percent agree with you there. Like, yeah, it is, it is an art form in itself. You're drawing this amazing inspirational picture which has so much more to it as well like light art it can just be something that you don't get at first but when you start looking into it and the reasons why or how it even came about the ideas and everything it's so much deeper than you you first think at first glance so yeah totally 100 that's why i uh like i can get inspired by so some people think um you know someone who's winning over and over and over it's like that's the most inspirational story when it comes to like sports and it could be possibly like first like the Michael Jordan story I, have you seen the documentary series on Netflix it blew up when lockdown first came out called the last dance no I haven't it's a good one that. I know it, it, I know it did blow up I didn't get around to watching it though you you would you would enjoy because it taps like holy fudge I don't want to give you spoilers but in terms of losing a family member and how it played out um it is almost like a, a the best movie writers wrote this script. And 
Um, holy smokes. I, I won't, you know what? I won't tell you too much because it'll be very impactful if you watch it, especially for yourself with what you just told me about your story. You'll want to look into this and you'll take something away from it. But so yes, someone who's winning over and over can be inspirational as well as Jordan was always winning. But the background mm-hmm. story, the background story, here's where the consistency makes it. It's one thing to say, well, that person, guy or girl was extremely gifted. So whatever, they're always winning. Sure. But consistency it is not like we just said, life isn't consistent and some, no. shit, some shit's going to come for you to pull yourself together and keep it going is what it is. But I can also be inspired by somebody where they're not like the Michael Jordan of it, but the background story can still be like for that game, they showed up for that one match. Mm-hmm. They showed up for that one moment of brilliance. You know, that's that one hit single. That's that one Mona Lisa they retired and they whatever. But that one yeah. moment is like, whoo, that's all I needed when, when it came through. And I wonder if just like artists, like the top artists are conflicted and they, when they're writing songs, um, if like the top athletes, like when you sit down and talk to Michael Jordan and he talks about obsession and being like, um, like he never felt happy after he won, after a while it's just relief he won or like he'd be up at five in the morning and throwing, throwing balls until five at night. And he's like, I can't stop. And I know you love what I'm doing and you think you want to be me, but you might not want to. And like the confliction mm-hmm. stuff, like, you know, if there's something to, to it, like all, like the same the same girl and yourself who was like in terms of control and, and what you were doing when you had anorexia and bulimia is this those same character character what would be character flaws early on like oh this is hurting me can turn around and be the asset when you need it where you're like I can push through no matter how I feel stop mm-hmm. and cry like when stop cry come back in and keep hitting weights like I'm in when I set my mind. It doesn't matter. I'm in, I'm in that clutch mode. Like I'm going, you know, and I, yeah. will, you don't understand when I set my mind, it doesn't matter what it looks like to other people. I'm going, it's, it's one of those yin and the yang again, where like you can't have one with the other, with the other though. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, 100%. <laughs> this is it. Like you just keep going. <laughs> right. It's, but, yeah. yeah. It's just that change of perspective and mindset for me. It's that, that like shift in what I, how I see, saw myself and life. And it was that, looking at focusing on what my body is capable of instead of what it looks like and for me that's why I chose powerlifting over bodybuilding because I really wanted to focus on like what what can my body do and it got really exciting to see how much it could lift instead of just focusing on what it looked like all the time and judging myself from just appearance Mm -hmm. and that's why I think is the beauty about powerlifting because you're not judged on what you look like. You're not judged on your ethnicity. You're not judged on where you're from, your background or anything like that. It's like, can you fucking lift the weight or not? And I, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. There's no aesthetic points in terms of um, like, God bless some of these people at work who don't know what powerlifting is. I was like, uh, I had a powerlifting competition coming up and some old ladies like, I thought you did because I noticed you had a tan. I'm like, he must be getting ready for a competition. <laughs> <laughs> Oh well, I'll take it. You, you what, look, did you look like a Dorito you, or something? You, yeah. She's like, you look leaner, you look tan. I'm like, well, that helps. I, you know, I'm not fluffing it off. I appreciate, it, but that's not going to help me. I'm not going to get any points for that whatsoever. But it is uh, for to extent powerlifting is like 
uh, come one, come all. We, we have all different shapes and sizes. Not only do we have different weight classes, within the same weight class, you have like competitors who are tall, competitors who are shorter, all different backgrounds, um, different specialists in terms of different weights. And we will take your extroverts who are like love talking to people, whatever. We will take your introverts who, who can't go into team sport, not because not because they're like antisocial, but because it's difficult for them to be with people on a schedule yeah. basis day after day. Some days they won't be able to. And if they can power lift, they could go in the gym, pop in headphones and they're good. Or yeah. they might even have weights at home in their basement and they're slugging away where no one sees them. And then they mm. pop up out of nowhere. You're like, who the shit is that person? <laughs> Mate, those athletes, those athletes who do that just come out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Hello. I'm an introvert who smashes weights. <laughs> You're like, well, good for you. You're about to ruin some people's days. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's it's a beautiful, that, like, that's why powerlifting, I, that's why, that's another reason why I love talking to powerlifters. I'm an extrovert where I like talking to people. I get an energy, like I get something from it. And when I hear people's stories, like I didn't know your story, like your background. I knew you were like a British champion, Commonwealth champion. I had been reposting you and you're smash, you're taking your previous competition lifts and repping them now. So it's gonna be yeah. exciting when you when you get back on the platform. Um, but uh, whatever, we'll get to that in a second. But I, I like how powerlifting's kind of become a side piece to this conversation. But this is what happens when we get a good yeah. conversation. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Go, with, go with the flow. Go with the flow. But um, when I was going over your pictures, I'm going to post some saying, you know, here, here's the next podcast. I seen that one picture and I was like, whoa, now there's a background story in there. And I get inspiration from it, even though like you're early 20s from the UK woman. I'm early 40s in Canada, man. On the surface, you're like, we live a little bit different a life. It's fair to say, right? Yeah. But, <laughs> but I love having these conversations and finding out like, holy smokes, man. I could take away from that and be like, that actually, I could get inspired by that. And hearing you talk about, like, man, I was, I was in a tough jam. I would stop a session, go out, break down, gather myself, come back in, keep it moving. Oh, I fucking like that, man. I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> Uh, you know, and um, it's why do you think there is more onus on? I think there's more onus on women in appearances. I'm not to say you know guys are like, well, there is on guys too, sure, um, mm. but I feel like it's more on women. Here's something that I notice. So if if I post like a guy like Russell Orhe with his shirt off guys might like troll him he's always got a shirt off and he does but he's got an amazing like but but he's got an amazing body he deserves to be proud of it the guy does hard work yeah, yeah. Like, like hours in the gym you know watching what he eats discipline the guy should be like the guy's you know yeah. he's bodied up. good for him so people and if people troll him they're kind of joking around half joking around like whatever yeah he's not humble he doesn't need to be but fine and then they're like if they do that with a girl they're like well i, I do the same with russell Here's the difference. Here's the difference I find when they do it with women. They talk to girls as though the only reason why you're you're here and being posted is because of your looks. The only reason why they like use it as a discredit where nobody questions Russell why he's here. They just say, yeah, yeah, he's bodied up. So, mm. but no one's saying, why are you here? You don't, you like it, like delegitimizing him. Yeah. Where, and that's where people like, 
push back. And I'm like, that's a weak pushback only because I see far more delegitimizing on women with it. Like, why do you think it's, have you noticed that? Yeah, no, totally. Like, it, I don't know why it is with just women that they do that. And I feel like they have to give some kind of excuses why, like, especially I think like your recent post, it really exploded on something where right. they were like, oh, she's only being reposted because of her angles or what she's looking like or whatever but I'm like first of all so fucking what like yeah. this platform is very visual anyway if someone wants to show that then they're gonna yeah. and second of all like that doesn't take away at all what they're capable of or their intelligence or anything like that and that's what frustrates me is when if someone's showing their body or their appearance or whatever like that doesn't take anything else away from them and it is definitely not an excuse as to why like it doesn't define them do you know what I mean like that whole thing just doesn't define them it's just an appearance just what they look like like and if they're proud of it they're proud of it like if they want to show it off they want to show it off do you know what I mean like who fucking cares <laughs> well, why wouldn't you be proud about hours in the gym we literally well, yeah exactly we, we made a sport about exercising you know like our <laughs> yeah. sport is exercising people are well, gonna yeah. have, people are gonna be bodied up that, this is literally what we made a sport about. They should be proud. And, and um, if they post it and, and if they, if I repost and yeah, like for sure they're proud, they should be, they earned it. Good on them. Take inspiration, yeah. take inspiration because the discipline and, and determination they have. It, oh, and by the way, they're world-class. Like um, I've seen in other situations, like on other platforms where people would say like, exactly that oh he kingless is posting way too many girls with like oh because they're a cute girl now you get on king of lifts like it's so it's like listen to me name me the girl who gets posted on king of lifts who freaking doesn't deserve to be there and she's just there because she's aesthetically pleasing no it's she's in a sport where she works out 20 like not literally 24 7 but a crazy amount you find yeah. her attractive well guess what she's in the gym all the time that doesn't mean she doesn't deserve to be there. Guys yeah. like guys like Austin Perkins, Russell Orhe, Ashton Ruska have bodies straight out of comic books or an action film that's like <laughs> we'll never attain. Yeah, and, you know it's it's the way it goes. Sorry, these people are like well, yeah, like we put in work, but it's not just in the gym that we put in work. We put it into our nutrition, our recovery. Like it is twenty four seven if you think yeah. about it. Cause yeah. We're focusing on stress management, like all these different things we're focusing on. And like, and yeah, the outcome is like, yeah, I'm not, now I've got to a point where I am really confident in my body and in myself. And I do like how I look in the mirror. And if I want to share that, I'm fucking proud of where I am right now. And you don't, as we said before, like you don't know what someone's background is. So mm. from going from where I was before to where I am now, like I, I want to show that because I'm fucking proud of it. And same with those to everyone else who shares it, like, good on them yeah, why <laughs> even would, if they're why not, they not it's like yeah even if they're not in where they want to be right now but they're sharing it like wherever you are I just don't think there's any need or any reason to just start commenting on people's appearances or anything like that I just think yeah it's ridiculous it <laughs> they just want yeah. something to say don't they they just want, always want something to say it's it's uh yeah and unfortunately I do think it's for some reason um, if it's women, it, it is an attack on credibility for some reason. Whereas if it's men, 
They could be trolling like they're not humble. You're like, you know, this guy's a douchebag. Oh, he's got his shirt off. But you, but you know he's good. You're not going to take away he's not good. Like you'll, you'll admit that. So you have a, but with women, you actually attack credibility being like, well, that's the only reason why you're invited to the party. It's like, well, that's yeah. a really shitty, like that's just not, and, and most of these guys don't even know women's powerlifting. Like on that one post, um, dudes were coming in that I, I was checking. So I got a day job too, right? So I'm like, holy shit, my phone's blowing up. And, you know, <laughs> what, you, you know? Um, and uh, so I'm checking, like I'm, I'm trying to delete as many as I can while I'm working. And, um, and it's, it's like really blowing up. And some of the people though, I'm looking at it, aren't even following King of the Lips. So I know you're not actually a power- Trolling. Right, 100. You're, you showed yeah. up, you showed up to kick some, kick some dust up. Like you want to- Oh, they just bored, aren't they? Right, <laughs> you're not following King of the Lips. You're not a fan. You're looking for yeah. trouble. And uh, yeah, eventually I just turned off comments. I'm like, I can't moderate this. And it was not a constructive debate. It was um, like, it got reposted a million times. Like everyone's well aware of what's going on. Yeah. But um, in terms of like a debate, it got lost. Like it was like, this is just freaking like, uh, it got out of hand. That was an extreme. Usually it doesn't get quite that. Sometimes yeah. somebody posts something stupid and he gets a little roughed up in the comments or I just delete it and it doesn't need to go there. Here's another yeah. thing that I, here's another thing that I take, I got to think about. Um, when I post, sometimes if it's like a bigger lifter, this will happen to guys too, but um, well, this actually happened to a teen, a, a teen guy, a teen kid, uh, but he's a guy. Yeah. And um, so he's a bigger guy and he posted, like he was like a bench press or whatever. And people are like, this is the, oh, what is that? A body weight squat? And it was like 600 pounds. Dude, he's fucking 16 year old kid. And I put that in the caption and you got to put, is it a body weight squat? And I'm like, fuck man. The kid's proud. He's got his yeah. pa his parents see that, and it probably kills them. And I'm like, yeah. It, if that happens, so you toe the line of, do you leave the comment up so that person gets shamed, roughed up, or do you delete it so it doesn't draw attention to it? And hopefully that kid, when or that person, when they go to work, go to school, and someone else is like, hey, someone from work is like, hey, I saw that post like I don't want them to have to relive that and even be like yeah I guess you saw those comments well like I don't want like you know it's that weird um yeah like I don't want you to have to deal with that I don't I, you know what I'm gonna fucking take that off I'll delete that dude delete the comment and uh just pretend it didn't happen let's just keep moving right and then when people come back yeah. to that post they don't see it or do you leave it up and let let the person who said the comment get shamed and roughed up it's a weird uh it, I don't know really what's better. Weird. I don't know what's no, better. It's, you're like, help. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. like, fuck it. Sometimes people get mad at you either. The problem with kicking lips, people get mad at me often. And I'm like, I'm not going to please everybody, but I'm just going to try to help. You're them. not, especially yeah. with the amount of people that you've got following you. Like, it's, it's, you're oh, never yeah. going to, you're never going to please anyone. And you just got to right. do like, as long as you're sticking to why you created the account, what yeah, your yeah. values are, like, I don't see the problem. You're always going to get these people who are just going to comment shit. But yeah, I think with something like that, it is tough, but it can go either way, right? So 100 percent. Yeah. That's the, the, yeah. <laughs> it's tough. Look, in the end, you just hope that like um in the bigger picture, it just becomes like you've done more good than bad, or you helped more than hurt more than you know what I mean? This is like it's yeah. 
you just hope it works out. I'm more, more people get a platform and tell their story and it becomes worked out. In terms of like powerlifting, how have you found, so when you first started powerlifting, is that what got you, like, like you became comfortable in your own body, the physical strength you got, like, cause you were physically stronger. There is something about that. Like it is good that to be comfortable in your own skin, number one, uh, for sure. But also mm -hmm. there's something about being, I am physically strong. When you walk into a room, like this is something that like, here's another thing that kind of sounds vain, but it's true though. Mm -hmm. When you walk in a room and you know you were physically strong and people know mm -hmm. you were physically strong, there's something, and it, it was just- There boom. is, there is. Wait, there right? is something about that. Yeah. I just said like, you feel more even going into the gym you you're you just don't even I didn't even feel like I was looking at anyone else or paying attention to anything else because I just know that I was like physically strong and I, I I was confident in myself like it it's not I don't yeah it's maybe a bit vain but like it's true like it, when you do get physically stronger you have this like added confidence in yourself which just kind of felt like something just kind of came from nowhere but it has built over time but yeah, when I first went in, like, as I said, when I first got into powerlifting, it was still, I was still relapsing and stuff and still trying to deal with food, especially because at the time um, I was having to water cut as well, because I'm in the 72s, well, was in the 72s. Um, and I was sitting around like, gradually, like in my first year, I went up to about 75 kilos and I was water cutting down. My first water cut was tough because obviously I had to deal with the whole mental side of being like, okay, I'm doing this for just for a comp tomorrow. I'll go back up to a weight. I can't get fixated in staying at a low weight kind of thing. Um, but powerlifting has actually helped me with that mindset of just, I'm doing this for the sport and for myself. I'm doing this for myself to do this competition kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah. It is like, I, I, when I was younger, man, um, I, I, I like I always slouched and I was just I don't know I was a totally different human being and when I started lifting a power up thing man you just when you feel a little stronger you walk in a room and you got your chest up head up and you're like I'm <laughs> people yeah. get a, people get like a, a vibe it's weird but you could tell when you're in the room who's confident who's not just right off the bat yeah, it's, just, like, it's just it's just that aura isn't it it's that aura that you get yeah, that man. vibe yeah totally like I, I get that and you can kind of you can see it especially when so I hold squad sessions in uh central London and I you can definitely see the difference in the people who I hold a beginner's kind of like powerlifting class as well the people coming into the beginner's powerlifting class and then uh in contrast to the people the squad members totally different vibe <laughs> totally different because they're caught the people in the squad sessions are confident they're some of them are world champions you know what I mean and they're coming in and they've just got this, they hold themselves a certain way, if you know what I mean. It's a beautiful thing when you see a kid come in the doors who's a little unsure of themselves and they start gaining a little confidence and yeah. uh, you pay forward and you're almost like, yeah, <laughs> like you, you, uh, yeah. right? You almost feel like, if, it, especially if you see someone who you kind of relate to as like a younger you and you're almost like saving yourself. Like, like if you could have, got you when you were younger yeah so when you catch like a younger person you're like we could you know you start seeing them progressing like, yeah let's get them tiger we we're gonna well, be yeah exactly this is why i got into coaching this is why i got into powerlifting coaching because i wanted to help people who are in a similar situation to me 
and help them find something that would help them in a health perspective as well as mentally like um and then the more I've done it the more I'm just like it's just such a beautiful thing to see someone from grassroots level and just build in not only confidence but strength and just really find themselves and really open up as a person I think it's just such an amazing thing to see and be like wow I was was actually a part of that shit (laughs) like (laughs) that process you're like damn (laughs) when did you start because you're still young too like you've taken on quite a bit at a young age you're like you're coaching people like frick me you're way more mature than I was when I was in my early 20s I should not have been a mentor to anybody (laughs) 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 so bless you but um stories there eh? (laughs) wow wow not inspirational like yours but um oh uh that came later but um like in terms of like everything you've been through and, and your story makes you like far more inspirational. And even though you're in your early twenties, you know, you, do you feel like it is almost like, how, first off, how did you get into coaching? And when did you decide, I actually not only just want to lift, you know, for myself, my own, which helped huge and, and turned your life around, like you said, but mm-hmm. want to share this with other people. When did that happen? How did you come about that? And then we'll get into it a little deeper. So, I mean, I've always been doing some sort of coaching. When I used to play football, I then coached the younger women's football team because I wanted to, I, I loved that sport. So I wanted to help others. I did some like voluntary coaching as well, was basketball referee, all that kind of stuff. So I was always into that coaching. But then when I started doing powerlifting and I saw how much it transformed my life and my whole perspective on life, um, I started, I just was like, right, I want to, I want to help others because the more I shared my story, the more that I was also like, this is helping people, but how can I do more? And I, I became a ambassador for the hospitals that I was actually um, a patient at so that I could help people with eating disorders. And I was like, I need to do more <laughs> kind of thing. And yeah. And then I just thought, right, I'm going to do a PT course. So then I started doing personal training and started training people. And then the more I did it, the more I was like, I want to be a bit more specific and I want to start doing more strength and powerlifting because that's what I'm so passionate about. Like, yeah, I had a lot of people who wanted to do weight loss and stuff and that's fine. I mean, it's pretty easy with weight loss stuff, but um, with the strength perspective, like the strength aspect, I found it just really changed those people's perspectives on themselves and their bodies and their confidence. And that's when I started getting into it and I just really threw myself into it. Um, I started coaching and then I actually was the head coach at a, I formed a powerlifting club in London um, in the second year of lifting and Mm -hmm. then in that second year of lifting I then became the England team coach as well so I went out to the Commonwealth so that when I went out to the Commonwealth (laughs) whoa wait a second I didn't know because you were competing yeah so I was like the assistant team English team coach and I, so I had two competitions at the Commonwealth. So this is in a week, right, in Canada. Um, so I had the bench only and the full power. But I was also coaching at the same time. So as soon as I left the platform, I went straight back and coached other people. Um, oh, <laughs> so my like, God. I, was co- I also coached the Special Olympics, which was the most rewarding and amazing experience I've ever done it, as myself as a coach. But yeah, so I coached Special Olympics. Then... Bearing in mind, I had to water cut twice in this comp as well. And that was disgusting. I nearly passed out in the bath. I can't even tell you. I was 
you know what outside of outside of the venue I was sucking on sour sweets and spitting and I felt like oh my god this is what my life has come to and I'm spitting out spit just to make weight for comp and then trying to be a coach at the same time and I was running back and forth like coaching and doing all this stuff but it was great fun it was great fun but yeah and just how much you get out of it and how the pe- the athletes get out of it and just being there for them is just I can't even describe it I just I just love it and so now I'm I've been doing workshops for different universities so University of Oxford I've been doing some workshops for and seminars um I'm just uh, uh building up another powerlifting club in central London as well um and next year I'll be going to Western Euros as a coach as well so Holy it's exciting so yeah you, joining I, the GB team <laughs> <laughs> you, you're yeah you, you're crushing it right now um like first off the Commonwealth not only like that's the, you've really loaded your plate you traveled oh, internationally dude, I can't even <laughs> I mean you traveled internationally across the ocean though like this is, wasn't a small within Europe travel like time zones Mm. a flight when you have to cut water too when you're taking a flight so you go into a whole different country uh canada uh, welcome uh, <laughs> <laughs> great great place by the welcome. way great place yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah um and and you show up and you not only have to cut water twice and compete twice but also like manage everybody else and try to be that support team for everybody else i don't know how you freaking emotionally you probably slept for a week when you got home Honestly, I was dead to the world. <laughs> it was that, Just, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was, it, but you, you've got so much adrenaline that you just keep going. I had so much adrenaline and caffeine. That was like, it was the shittiest coffee ever, yeah. <laughs> was we, it? We were, well, because this wasn't in like Toronto or anything where there's yeah. really amazing coffee. This was yeah. in Newfoundland, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was. And it was just like, we there's this little cafe there and they were just doing instant coffee and so I was just shot in that back man <laughs> just <laughs> trying to get through it but it was good it was it was good <laughs> it's it's I think uh that's one thing that culturally because we're part of like obviously we're part of the Commonwealth you came here for the Commonwealth Championships so we have we got a history us right we're all part yeah, of the yeah, Commonwealth yeah. right <laughs> god bless the queen you know what I'm saying but um <laughs> but we do have like food wise we're quite a bit different like mm. I don't think you guys would like our coffee you guys, is coffee, how big is coffee over there? Is it tea or is that just total stereotype? So, <laughs> no, tea is still, tea, tea is a big thing still here, um, especially in London. But in London, it's just, London's so different from the rest of England, I find. Like, I'm from Essex myself, which is just, just outside of London. Um, but in London, it's just so diverse. And I feel like it, coffee, I'm a, a bit of a coffee addict and it, coffee's Same. amazing like yeah I mean I, I used to be a barista as well so I was just oh wow I'm something really really sad right For so sure. I even <laughs> this goes back into the extreme thing so I even competed in barista championships <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> <laughs> just because I loved coffee so much and like I, I did it one time I came came like third in London or something it was pretty funny but that was just a random thing but yeah so there's I mean there's pretty good coffee here I, um I feel like Australian coffee is pretty good I've heard it's very competitive out there but in Toronto so I spent some time in Toronto beforehand so I've got friends there and there's a few coffee places that are actually really decent like and the food is different as well like 100. it is different to 
different to England, but I enjoyed it. I mean, I eat plant-based and there was so many options in Toronto. It was crazy. So I enjoyed it, to be honest. It's uh, Canada is kind of like, like culturally speaking, all of our, like all of our sports are like we share with America, like, um, you know, baseball, which isn't very big globally, you know, in comparison, American football, which isn't very big globally. Like we have all the same sports, basketball, which is far more North America. It's getting more global, but we're, we even have the same leagues, like all those leagues, except for football, we have our own league, but those leagues, we share the same league and everything. So culturally speaking, we're, we have a lot of similarities and music and TV is, is the same music and same TV. So when we talk to Americans, it's, it's not, you know, it's not a big culture divide. However, mm. there's a few things that we're closer to Europe with, like, like you know, whatever, so, uh, not to get overly political, but like healthcare and blah, 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 right? We, we have yeah, yeah, yeah. a little more, little more European-ish in terms of background. We never left the Commonwealth and stuff like that. So when you come over to North America, Canada is almost like for Europeans, like a soft little climatization. And then you go south yeah. border a little more and you're a little more acclimatized and we'll get you closer and closer to that. Um, it's funny. So when we were doing this podcast, I'm like scheduling it and I'm like, yeah, just let me get a few coffees in. I had no idea. I was talking to like a, like a barista star. <laughs> you're like, I got you. I got you. I, this, I is why I, this is why I responded. I was like, get your coffee in. Man. Get your coffee. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad you didn't put me on the spot. I'm like, what you drinking? I'd be like, I don't know, uh, caffeinated. <laughs> <laughs> Like, death, death before decaf, right? <laughs> right, right. Oh, yeah. I feel you. Um, true story. In terms of like coffees that I've tasted, you're saying like the Australian was really good. In Canada, we have a franchise called Tim Hortons that's like massive. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's pretty watered down and you would be disappointed if you're like super into coffees. But um, back in the day, I was auditioning for a reality TV show. This is when reality TV was super big before social media blew up because now we kind of just reality tv is just following people's youtube yeah what are you talking about reality tv like put it on right but back in the day reality tv was much bigger in like social media there was no instagram this is 2012 ish right 2011 2012 so instagram and all the rest of it youtube was way smaller um and to get on this reality tv show we were going all over the world to events like doing sporting events so i was a power lifter um, and we were also eating foods at restaurants. So it was food and sports. And to get on it in my edition tape, um, I went to, I found a guy locally who had the most expensive coffee in the world. And I was going to try this. Is that the one that the, the cat, that cat is like pooed out, isn't it? Is you it fucking that one? are good. You, you are good. <laughs> you are lying. Now yeah, I know. <laughs> now I know you're legit. So yeah. It's a, it's a wild, it looks like a cat. I don't know. I don't, I don't know the name of it, but it's in like, no, it's a wild cat thing. Yeah. Yeah. And no, that's, that's what it's a wild cat thing. Let's <laughs> you get it. And it's in the, it's in the jungle. I think in South America, if I remember correctly, we're going close to 10 years back yeah. and it eats a specific bean or fruit or something. And then yeah. for some reason, when it goes through its digestive tract, it does something to it and then it poos it out. And apparently yeah. poos out like the most amazing coffee bean. 
It's it's like the Jesus of cats. It turns water into wine. Oh. Jesus cat. It's a Jesus it's, cat. It's a Jesus cat. Okay. The Jesus cat. <laughs> so I went there and had this coffee, and like the guy was so like happy that I showed. I was like, why would he give me this fucking like god ex godly expensive coffee? He was trying to give me cat shit. <laughs> just for cat shit. it was cat shit and i was like this is gonna get me on and i was like uh, cut it i had the world's most expensive coffee like I i'm jealous i'm I jealous man it. i'm actually it's, jealous that youtube is literally i might even post a small clip that youtube is still it's that that clip is up and the tv yeah. are like this is our guy we're fucking <laughs> so i ended up being on a reality TV love that because of the that's amazing i thought as a barista you might appreciate that I don't even know what I it's called. I appreciate that. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate it. I mean, I'm even jealous that I want to try it. Because <laughs> I've heard about it. <laughs> Listen. I mean, apparently it's not as good as as good as it's supposed, like, as it's made out. It's just expensive because of the actual process of it. More than what it tastes like is what I've heard. And the more I've looked into it because, but yeah, I still want to try it just because then you can just say it, right? <laughs> as a, as a, as a one-time trier of this thing? Don't drop a thousand dollars for a cup. I'll, here's what it is. Here's what it is. Um, you what does it, it taste like? Uh, it tastes like shit. <laughs> babe, babe, it is. It is. <laughs> because it is. <laughs> because it is. No, it uh, it tastes all right, but it's it 100 is because of the rarity, because of the process. That you have to go deep into the jungle to find this yeah. you have to find it the right time the timing and everything and then on top of that the supply is so small and then i believe he was telling me history of it i think it's in the video where i think like rich people i think even the queen like the monarchy buy chunks of this like like in kilos and it's very it's almost like they have like you can't get your hands on this you, you can't find it it is so rare. So it is more of a, the price is up due to rarity, supply, and demand. Are you Googling this right now? No. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, fact checking. Don't fact no. check yet. <laughs> One of my AirPods have just died. Oh, okay, <laughs> like, okay, okay. So I've had to like just switch it over. Okay. I'm not Googling, I was going to say, I, I was going to say, don't fact, or fact check it right now. But anyways, uh, yes. Yeah, so it's more due to supply and demand rarity than it is. At, oh my God. That's the most delicious coffee I've ever had. Yeah. But, uh, so if you ever have the opportunity, I don't know if you want to foot that bill. You're not going to, you're not going to be. Sorry, I don't think I even have that amount of money to right. spare well, on coffee, but it's a, no, I think it's just because of the limited quantity, isn't it? And also like yeah. the process and the right, because like coffee is made from these berries anyways. And it's like, and also at different altitudes as well. It affects the taste of the coffee. So yeah, I can imagine that's why it's so expensive. You really do know your stuff then. Holy smokers. But yeah. <laughs> so in terms of uh in terms of like the coaching, do you find, and this is a question I always ask athletes and coaches who like people who do both. Now that you've had like everything that powerlifting has done for you, like I for sure changed your life, but then coaching. You know, which one do you think right now you get the most out of? Or can you even decide? So right now in this current moment, considering like, well, England have just been through two lockdowns. Mm. It's been a, a weird one because my coaching has in some ways 
like my training has kind of taken over in some ways because I haven't been able to do one-to-ones right and it's been more so online and only some people have certain equipment so the coaching had to take a back seat a little bit in some aspects mm. but this is a tough one because I know that at some point I'm going to get to a point where coaching will like, for me coaching is always the priority if I've got athletes who are competing then I'm going to be there for them um but it is tricky for me when I am at a stage where I'm also very competitive as well and my numbers are increasing quite rapidly so it's trying to find that balance as well but I will always give everything to my athletes and make sure that they've got like enough if you know what I mean like everything that they need mm-hmm. so yeah it's, it's, it's finding that balance and I've actually spoken to a few people who are also in the same position as well but for me it's like it's a weird one because there's not many female powerlifting coaches as well if you find have you found that 100 percent. and i find that um like yeah well there's another question i was going to ask you about like females and powerlifting why there's so many more populated in this sport than other sports but before we get to that 100 i find we have a lot of female powerlifters a lot of top end and these ladies are murdering it but not a lot of coaches not to the point of like ratio of how many quality lifters we have and i'm wondering do you find the females themselves don't want to step forward take on that role or do you think people aren't going to female coaches Uh, why do you think that is i think it's a mixture between it can be quite intimidating as a female being a coach around so many male dominant figures if that makes sense like most of the pretty much all the places that I've coached at it's always been males coaching as well and sometimes it feels like only from my experience it sometimes feels like just because I'm female they feel like I don't have as much of a voice or I'm not as intelligent as they are or has had as much experience especially as I'm quite young as well so a lot of people take that I'm not as experienced when actually like I've done shit tons of research. I've done like so many courses and constantly trying to improve myself and improve my development as a coach. Um, And I feel like that can be one of the aspects of it as to why not many females are getting into it. But also, I don't think there is a great platform in which people can go to like specifically for powerlifting courses. I mean, British powerlifting do have um, the level one and level two um, powerlifting courses. Um, and then obviously the IPF uh, coaching course as well which you have to be kind of selected to be put forward to Um, but I feel like just people getting up into that and having the confidence to go to it and even develop themselves from there the support around it I feel like there needs to be a little bit more as well I I know that in different countries like Italy they have quite um, a very good coaching system where everyone's kind of on the same level in terms of how technique technique and all that kind of stuff um but yeah I haven't really spoken to enough females to understand why for me I've always just thrown myself into it and kind of don't care what other people think I'm gonna do it <laughs> so and just know that when I put myself in uncomfortable situations I make myself better as a person in a sense like it challenges me and I love that challenge mm. to throw myself into something. That's where growth is, is in your uncomfort zone, right? Yeah. When you step out of your comfort zone, that's where you're going to grow. Yeah. If you stay 100%. in your comfort zone, you're right. And um, no, I think it's, it's, it somewhat goes back to like people's, 
not everybody's, but some people's initial intuition, like like I was saying, where um, if if I post Russell, I keep saying Russell, but he's just the most bodied up guy when I think of like a muscular powerlifter. The guy's freaking like, you know, straight up a comic book. But when I post him with squatting with his shirt off, people don't attack his credibility. They just mm-hmm. say, oh, he's not humble. But with women, for some reason, they attack credibility. So that's why yeah. I think it's something to do there. Like when you said, um, you know, I just feel like for some reason, maybe they just might look at me and just for no reason at all, not knowing anything about you, just not take me as credible. And yeah. there might be, we have some work to do. It's not, you know, it's not everybody. And certainly there are successful female coaches, but I think we could do better in that area. I think yeah. we could keep moving. And I do think powerlifting as a whole is is somewhat it, it's more progressive in a lot of areas in some sports like there are other sports like why do you think it is because when we look at some college sports for instance um the female participation is rather low um even olympic sports globally their their female participation is rather low like i'm in canada hockey is a massive sport in canada um and and there's a lot of women who are playing hockey but globally it's it's the participation is so low that for some nations they're fielding athletes. If you want to play, you're probably going to make the national team because there's we're not mm. picking through a lot of people. Whereas in Canada, you want to play, make the national team, you're going to have your work cut out for you, right? That could be a pipe dream. So then they're mm. looking at like, do we exclude certain sports because they're looking at it like it's just not competitive globally. That's something the Olympics looks at when they look at sports. And that for some for some sports, when it comes to the women's, for whatever reason, they're just not entering it. But for powerlifting, that's not the case. For powerlifting, like... Oh, it's grown so much. Just in the years, I I mean, I've been doing powerlifting, what, three years now? And just in the time that I've been doing it, the amount of females who have got into it is... I think it's great. I think it's amazing to see so many strong females lifting. I just... it's, It's wicked. But, yeah, just in the time that I've been in it, it's grown so much. I can't even... Like compared to five years ago, it must have been crazy amounts yeah. as well. So, and, and it's global. It's not like, um, yeah. like I was saying, we're like hockey. Yeah, we got a lot of women in North America, US team as well. But when the Olympics rolls around, you know, it's going to be Canada versus US. And Canada was beating some teams 10 nothing. And like, fuck, this doesn't mm. look good for anybody. Right. <laughs> like when you're, yeah. when you're like steamrolling opposition. Um, whereas powerlifting, that's not the case. Powerlifting, like UK, Canada, US, freaking like obviously like Russia and all over mm. Europe and Asia, tons like of Asian lifters from all different nations rising up. So it's, uh, I'm not sure, like, do you, why do you think maybe powerlifting has more women in terms of participation? And, and here's another thing not just more women participating, but from like, like the, when I think about, so I'm an MMA fan. I like the UFC. We all watch like women's MMA and and a lot of men will, no worries. Mm. But in terms like uh, basketball, NBA, you couldn't give away tickets to the WNBA. People just aren't tuning in. It's not on TV, whatever. But with powerlifting, like certain sports, it's, it's, it's been tough. Even, but there's more women in this world than men. If women backed it, that's all you need. You don't need even men to watch your sport. There's far enough, but women aren't tuning in to watch it either. But with powerlifting, it's kind of like women's MMA where not only do women support it, which is amazing, but like like you see with the you, you pause on me? Did you freeze?
Okay, you're back. Are you back? I, I okay. I think I can. Can you hear me? I think uh, I can't hear you. I'm not sure if you can hear me. <laughs> I can't. I can't hear you right now. Okay, so we had a bit of technical difficulties. We are back. The quality might be a stitch off, but uh, we got close to two hours anyways. So we'll finish this question and then we can get into wrapping it up. But um, basically uh, talking about how in powerlifting, unlike other sports, um, female participation is, is high all over the world. Unlike some sports where it's high in certain sectors, but not globally. Uh, not only that, female support all over the world um, in terms of viewership because there's more men than women. And um, if they choose to, to get behind certain sports, they could thrive. Doesn't always be the case, but with powerlifting, 100% is. And then not only that male viewership of female powerlifting. Again, if men back certain sports, it's more viewers. And when it comes to, and that doesn't always happen with other sports, more likely maybe not, but with powerlifting, you will get guys like super invested. They're in a showdown coming up. I post, they'll be debating and arguing just like it was a men's showdown, just as much with the women. Like they're just as, can't wait to see this one go down, you know, when, when a showdown happens. So um, why do you think that is with, with powerlifting? I really feel like social media has really helped get it out there because just seeing how incredible it is seeing females lifting that amount of weight like it's and it also depends i think on the country as well because i feel like still in england strength uh as a sport is still quite underrated like it's not really as out there whereas places like russia it's just ingrained in them do you know what i mean yeah so i think it also depends on the country so particularly if we're seeing that like in england i feel like it people more females have got into it through seeing other women do it and see the benefits that it's had because it's not only like oh you're just gaining strength but physically the benefits and just like you're doing it also for longevity as well right like mm. I see, i've coached 80 year olds at the <laughs> commonwealth do you know what i mean like they're still powerlifting so i think it's yeah it's also incredible seeing what your body like what your body is able to do but also the benefits that come from that and as i said before about particularly for females, it's always tend to be um, a visual thing, like appearance and everything. So for some, it's nice to get away from that restrictive eating or dieting, which they've gone through, and able to do something that doesn't focus on that and pulls their focus away. That's purely speaking from like what I've seen and from who I've spoken to as female powerlifters. And they really like that aspect of not constantly focusing on what they look like. Because if you speak to so many females, they've gone through something some kind of body image or some kind of eating like disordered eating something like that and then they found powerlifting or strength training and it's completely turned their view around on themselves so i mm. think that's a massive part of why females have started getting into powerlifting um i mean even just strength training but then when it comes to competitive powerlifting it's like you, you've got something now to work up to and kind of like a goal and i feel like those competitions are something to kind of see where you're at and enjoy. And it's also a community because as much as it's an individual sport, 
we it's also like a team like everyone's so supportive and the people that you meet for it and i feel like once you do your first comp you're just in it man yeah <laughs> you just don't get out <laughs> it is i think you're yeah i think you do got a really good point there where it's not just like the competitive aspect initially like you get invested because um what you get like physically and emotionally being like wow i'm stronger i'm like from that you get inspired by seeing other women like women will get inspired by other women like oh wow look at how strong she is how confident she is how she's like you know just all round murdering it the discipline the everything that everything that's like the positives not just competitively speaking but then when you roll into, we we're just kind of talking about this before we start recording again, when you roll into the competition now. So I buy in as, as if I'm a female watching you, I buy in when I see how strong you are, how dedicated, disciplined, and you're like, you know, you're flat, you're confident, you're flexing, you feel comfortable in your own skin. And you're like, take a look at me. And I'm like, I, I want to be like that. I want to. And I like that. I hear, I see your story. I buy in on you. Now you're telling me you got a competition coming up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking watch that, right? I'm gonna watch that, and I'm gonna be now. I care, and it'd be like, well, they're squatting and benching though. That's not, but I'm like, yeah, but I want to see her do this. Like, I want, yeah. I, I want to see you win or lose or whatever, right? Like, I'm, I'm in for the journey. So I think, I think your point is right. Where it's like, it's they probably buy in first on the almost either participation level or just the humane level of feeling good about what it, what the lifting does for them, etc. And then a competition rolls around. And it just feels like the natural next step of either I'm watching you do it or me. I'm like, Fuck, maybe I should give this a go and see what happens. And it becomes, it's just a natural thing. And then in terms of, in terms of the men, you know, I, I get like, just like you can't speak for all women. We're just giving our hypothesis here. Like I can't speak for all men, but I'll tell you, you know, it doesn't look different than men's powerlifting. When, no. when people no. say like certain sports all oh, looks different when like like and it can work in either war like with gymnastics women's gymnastics i don't think is is, is common to say the women's is better that like visually speaking they can do more than the men's like in terms of all the aerial stuff or whatever i don't think that's too controversial to say i'm sure there's some phenomenal male gymnastics i don't think i have a big gymnastic male following but if I do, don't hit my DMs coming at me. Right? I think I'm safe. Yeah, I think I'm safe to say we we don't have a big demographic with that, so I could probably say whatever I want and I'm good. But there is sports that visually look a little different depending on if it's females to males. And um, with powerlifting, it doesn't though. If powerlifting, if you like powerlifting, right? Is that do you think that's like if you like powerlifting? A squat's a squat. You you want a good grinder? Women will grind it out just as entertaining as the men. And like, it looks the same. So if you get a fan of powerlifting and you like a good story, like look at your story and how many other, it's it's comparable right across the board. You don't need, and you want a good sh competitiveness. I was saying hockey for women's hockey, Canada and US beating up the rest of the world and you don't really have the showdowns. It's competitive. Look at these, the women's 72s. I don't got to tell you, 72 in Sweden was probably the best class men or women's. And it's constant as well. You don't know who's just going to come out of the woodworks all of a sudden and just spice things up. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's constantly changing. People then get injuries so someone else could take it. And it really does come down to who's there on the day. At the end yeah. of the day, like, who's there on the day? And it can completely change from what you thought it might, the outcome might be. Right. Which I think is, yeah. And when you start following people's journeys, it just makes powerlifting a lot more rounded. 
than just the squat bench and deadlift. That's true. And and another piece I'd throw in there is um, unlike like a, a if it's soccer, hockey, baseball, whatever, you have a season. So let's say you were a team, you lose one, you you win a few, you lose one, but European Championships rolls around, World Championships rolls around. It's all or nothing. You you I'm following your journey and I'm invested. I don't know how did your weight cut go? How did the travel go? How well did you sleep? Are you dealing with any nagging injuries? Well, there is no next time's next year. Like I, yeah. it's it's like holy shit. So when I'm watching your stream, it's like. Oh my God, she just lost. She just missed her third squat. And it's like, and I, I'm on team, you know, Sophia Ellis. And I'm like, oh shit. If there isn't tomorrow, there isn't the next games tomorrow or this weekend. It's like, whoa, here we go. This is, this is tough. Let's hope she hits all the benches and let's see what happens on deads. And like, now you're looking at what the competitors are doing and like, oh, I have, oh are they gone three for three in squats? So it makes it dramatic like that. It's like every yeah. game is like, that's the last game of that season which is dramatic. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, um, one question I ask everybody who comes on here, and I know you're like, you're, you just got out the juniors and you got a lot of lifting to go. But one question I always ask everybody is, when all is said and done, when you're looking back on your career as a whole, impact as an athlete, impact as a coach, impact as just a sports figure for anyone watching, how do you want to be remembered? That's a tough one, that. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I had to get you back on. You almost dodged this question, too. You almost got away. <laughs> yeah, that's true. God, how do I want to be remembered? I want to be able to... Oh, no. Your, your volume's gone again. I can't. I can't hear you. Holy smokes, you did dodge the question. Yes. I'll call you back. <laughs> oh. She literally was about to give the answer. I can. Okay. Amazing. <laughs> We're almost there. We're almost there. Technology is not on my side. Not today. Oh, not today. Uh, okay. So how how would you like to be remembered when all said and done? Um, on all, just period, on all fronts, as an athlete, as a coach, as a sports figure that people watch and follow. But even if I've just touched like one person's life or changed someone's life or even like not even changed someone's life but or more so perspective or help someone in some way and they can take something that I've said or something that I've done and use that for their own benefit or to help them in some way I'd love that like just if I can help someone in some way be it someone who's suffering with an eating disorder or a mental illness or even someone in powerlifting who needs that extra just push. If someone can take something from what I've done or what I share, like that to me would be amazing. Well, that's that's the uh, the mindset of an artist, right? Yeah. That's why we do <laughs> to bring it full circle. See that? Not my first yeah, rodeo. I love it. <laughs> it's the same. I say I say about my artwork as well. It's, 
I'm speaking through lines. So like I'm speaking through my art. It's like mm. a voice for my for myself through my art. And I guess it's the same as what I share and what I do. I want it to be a voice for something to show my values or show what I'm doing to help have an impact in some way. Yeah, make make people feel something when they see it. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. And and if somebody wants to get a hold of you for coaching, do you do coaching online or are those services offered? Yeah, so I do online coaching and I do in person. Um, so if anyone wants to get in contact about coaching, either email me at sophiaellispt at gmail.com or just send me a message um, through Instagram, which is at sophiastrength. There it is. Anybody you want to thank before we let you go? Oh, God. <laughs> with me <laughs> no worries hey listen thank you for coming on um i mean frick this was a good this was like a we're like well over two hours now but uh we crushed it man like this was a good we did didn't we we, we did didn't we <laughs> let's take a moment to reflect we got through this together and we had to it was <laughs> but um I love we'll do it again obviously uh, hopefully competitions open up and uh, good luck with training we'll keep in contact i'll keep reposting and then when something big comes Maybe, maybe we've got a competition to talk about uh, before it happens, after it happens, whatever. But uh, And maybe we see each other at the World Championships and we have, I mean, let's not get too ahead of ourselves, 2021, who knows what brings, but hopefully we have 2021 World Championships. Oh, yeah. That'd be pretty it. sick. I'll bump into you there, man. <laughs> that's right. I'll bump into you at the lobby. <laughs> okay, have a good one. Thank you very much for coming on and enjoy the rest of your day. Oh, thank you, man. See you later. <laughs> Okay, thank you for bearing with us there. It, uh, I know the, the audio, um, her AirPods died on us. We had to cut from Zoom over to Shooter Align on Facebook and just record uh, the old-fashioned way. But, holy smokes, man, that was a good podcast. I freaking, uh, I love a good, a good story. I mean, I also love getting into training and asking training questions as well because obviously some people will be like, hey, man. Let's uh, let me hear let me hear some secrets because I'm looking to apply this to myself. But some other things you could apply to yourself is when somebody's got a story like that, you know what you could take away from it. And I I honestly had no idea um, her background story. I just seen that she was you know British champion, Commonwealth champion, and uh, had been reposting her because she's just murdering it with weightlifting in general. And uh, didn't even know the background story that she had, which was extremely inspirational. It does help as well that, um, I mean, she's a phenomenal free-flowing thinker that can articulate her thoughts. And uh, sometimes you get some gems. So if you're hearing this, you know, do us a favor, do, you know, from the lifters a favor to, uh, you know, people that are, that are listening and some people you think might should be hearing these stories, post it up in your Instagram stories, give us high ratings, let people know, man, there is a lot of people that should be hearing this, that need to hear these kind of stories that could have some huge takeaways from it. And also, people like Sophia um, deserve this kind of coverage, you know, deserve this kind of platform and exposure. Um, so hopefully you got a lot out of this, because I know I did. And until next time, six-pack lap it at peace.